I'm Dr. Ben Rall. Do you know where the most amazing doctor lives? You may be surprised to learn that it's actually right inside of you. Yet, today's healthcare model is built on a foundation that the greatest doctor instead comes in the form of pills, potions, lotions, even surgery. So listen in, because what if the majority of what you have been told about health and healing is not only wrong, but actually harmful to you? One thing is for sure, when you work with your body and not against it, you'll begin to discover that you are in fact designed to heal. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Design to Heal. We are so excited for today's episode. Uh, a guest with us today that is awesome. And uh, we've been working on this interview for quite a while. Actually, some of you would remember, all of you know our guest today, Dr. Bob Sears and Melissa, the creators and the hosts and probably producers of the Vaccine Conversation, not only the podcast, but also a, a learning series. We're going to learn more about that today. They actually have a website, the Vaccine conversation.com. Of course, Dr. Bob and his work in, in uh, education with vaccines and his background as a pediatrician, as a doctor. And so, um, matter of fact, about a year, gosh, a year, maybe more, uh, Doc, you guys were in town doing your live podcast tour. And we hosted a little breakfast at the office, got to meet you, your sweet wife, and, and hear you share with people. I know people still talk about that, that event. They were just so glad you were there. So we are honored and excited to have you guys with us today. Dr. Bob, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Ben. This is uh, definitely my favorite conversation to have with people. Well, okay. Well, let's roll right into that. That's good. That's good because that's what we're talking about. Um, tell us your story, Doc. I mean, I know you kind of come from a, a little bit of a, a legendary family as well, but your work and as, and how your journey has been through this vaccine conversation. You have this every day, but uh, just tell us about you, your background, and and then we'll go from there. Yeah, well, I guess the uh, you know the the cliff note version instead of the two hour version is. Basically, while I was at Georgetown University Medical School, um, they suddenly put the hepatitis B vaccine onto the schedule for all newborns. Okay. And I had been learning about vaccines and I was kind of wondering about vaccines in medical school. And honestly, back then, a lot of the vaccines made sense to me, like measles vaccine, polio vaccine, tetanus, whooping cough meningitis, you know, a lot of them kind of made sense, but, you know, diseases that can, you know, sometimes, you know, be fatal for someone and, and used to, you know, kill a lot of people in our country a long time ago. And, but then when they put hepatitis B vaccine on the schedule, mm. I was like, hold up. Okay. Wait a minute. Hepatitis B is a sexually transmitted disease. Yeah. Newborn babies in America don't catch hepatitis B. Yeah. Um, you know, the, moms who have hepatitis B, we, we know who they are because we test all the moms during pregnancy. So yeah. if we know a mom has hep B, we can then give the baby some treatments to protect yeah. he or she from the hep B. But, but just to, you know, blanket vaccinate every newborn, that made no sense to me. Okay. And that basically woke me up to like, you know, thinking, Hey, is it, is it even remotely possible that somehow the pharmaceutical industry has, you know, convinced our medical establishment that this vaccine is incredibly important and life-saving and then all newborns get it, you know, should get it. And, and that basically made me start researching it. And, you know, from then on, you know, my whole life has changed all from that one vaccine 
that seemed to make no medical sense at all to me. So, Doc, this event happened. Did you know you were you already desiring to be a pediatrician in that point? Were you in that training? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, as in medical school, already already on track to be a pediatrician. Okay, so you're you know, and, and appreciate you know just the the honesty, and I think that's what a lot of parents and a lot. Now I'm more in the the stereotypical alternative care, being a chiropractor. So it's just a little easier I feel sometimes for us to to ask some of those questions because there's just not so much of it kind of drummed down in our you know in our education process and so but I think a lot of parents most parents a lot of parents come at it from where you came from with it right which is I don't know this seems reasonable isn't this what you do so if that was you in in med school in your early training you start to wake up to the to the hep B where where do you land now? Now you're, now you're a guy that hosts, you know, vaccine conversations. I We read about you all the time. I was telling you earlier online, I have probably not a week goes by. I don't have somebody in my office that references you. You know, uh, you changed their life. They That's when they first woke up. That's the first book that they read. Uh, they listened to your podcast, those types of things. Um, where is it now for you? Kind of where, what's your position now regarding, you know, routine childhood vaccinations and things? Yeah, I would say it's a great place I like to start with my patients in the office is where I'm at now. And then I, I maybe I can even backtrack for a minute to tell you how I got there. But basically, I would say now in my office, I am pretty much the only pediatrician in, in almost all of Orange County that will see people, Orange County, California, that is, because I know you guys have your own Orange County here in Florida. I'm the only one that will see people who don't want to vaccinate or who only want to partially vaccinate. So I get all those patients. And my my practice basically about 10 years ago became a practice where nobody wanted to vaccinate. Mm. Um, And not even, not my doing, you know, it was just, they came to me, they said, we've done all the research, we don't want to vaccinate. I'm like, okay, I'll be your pediatrician. And what I noticed is, um, is, yeah, I was kind of worried, you know, are our kids going to start getting sick? Are they going to catch all these diseases? And, and it ended up being the opposite. Mm. Um, What I noticed about these patients is they almost never have ear infections. They almost never have, uh, really bad allergies. Um, they almost never have intestinal problems. They mo- almost never have learning disorders. Um, but, you know, when they get sick with cough and colds or the flu, it tends to be mild and they almost never need antibiotics. And these kids seem to have like really, really healthy immune systems, which is kind of like the opposite of what, you know, you know, you'd be taught in medical school. This is like a pediatrician's um, dream practice. You've got a bunch. Of it is. It is. Yes. Yeah, like, and like, I'm like, I sit around seeing all these healthy kids all day and I'm like, hugs and high fives. Kids yeah. Right. I was trained, you know, to, to take care of. And, and then, and so it kind of made me realize some things. And I guess I'd like to maybe touch briefly on, on how, how I kind of got there is, is once I, you know, stopped giving or never gave the hepatitis B vaccine to my patients in the office, I basically found almost all my patients didn't want all the vaccines. They wanted to partially vaccinate. So I basically just gave my patients the vaccines that I deemed more important, but I skipped all the ones that were not important. Okay. But what I, and, but I, I was through informed consent though, doc, kids. like through informed consent, right? Like this is, oh, yeah, yeah. Through of course, informed yeah, consent. yeah. People yeah, have a choice. Yeah. You just talked about it. They yeah. decided it like normal healthcare yeah. should be. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I wasn't ever pushing vaccines. I just said, you know, here's the pros and cons and let's make a choice. And yeah. But I was noticing all my patients were getting sick a lot and I was seeing all those things I just rattled off. You know, I had a nice, you know, you know, well kids, but tons of, you know, kids catching all the routine childhood illnesses as well, mm. even partially vaccinating. And since I then sort of by default became the pediatrician for all these people that were not vaccinating at all. And I saw the night and day difference in my practice. I came to realize that, um, you know, I guess, you know, hoping for the fact that your child does not catch and then be harmed from a real serious vaccine targeted illness, kind of like assuming you don't catch and die from measles or you don't, catch and die from whooping cough you're not harmed by something if you raise a baby with a more natural immune system and and you don't expose your your baby to all those you know artificial immune stimulating ingredients and chemicals early on that i think has this large artificial effect on your baby's immune system if you raise your baby without all those vaccines your baby's natural immunity um, seems to, I guess, kind of kick in and create a, a healthier baby, a healthier toddler, a healthier preschooler, and a healthier child with a more natural and functional immune system without all the childhood illnesses and allergies and problems that tend to plague a lot of children. Imagine and, that. And I mean, I've never yeah. proved that that's true. That's just what I envisioned in my practice of over, you know, 15,000 kids is um, when I look at the kids I took care of, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago compared to the kids I take care of today. um, It's it's like a night and day difference. And the only difference in those populations of people is that, you know, they're, my patients aren't vaccinating anymore for the most part. So it's, it's kind of been, it's really interesting and, and more and more people are starting to study this concept so they can kind of decide what is the healthiest choice for kids today. You know, I, I've, yeah, I've got two children, they're 15 and 13, and, and we kind of learned some of this before our kids were born. So we chose not to vaccinate our children as well or to vaccinate our children. And my lived experience with them has been really much of what you described. I mean, of course, kids get the sniffles and get the boogers and, you know, that kind of stuff as they're building their immune system. But we have what I would just call as vibrantly healthy kids, we, you know, breastfed and, you know, as natural as we can based on the things that we know and understand. And then in my in my experience in my office, just with patients now, of course, I'm in a, a little bit different field with, with the well, with chiropractic care, but it seems to me be to be the same that, right, these patients that are uh, chose not to vaccinate or the less that they vaccinate or they waited. And what I've experienced, and I want to talk about this and I want to hear from Melissa here is, um, a lot of parents that start off with like something like I want to delay or I want to do a partial or, and then what happens, my experience has been, they, they say that. And then as they're learning and they watch this beautiful, healthy kid just grow. And then it's six months old and they're still alive and it was fine. And they, their confidence <laughs> is growing. Maybe they had the sniffles one day and they, you know, got through it and everybody lived and all those stuff. They start to, I feel like they go, gosh, I don't know. This is going pretty good, right? I don't know if I want to mess with this. You know, it seems like, you know, the way God made the body is pretty amazing. And I think I just want to stick with that. And so I love 
you know, your guys's work and the vaccine conversation, particularly the video series you guys have at thevaccineconversation.com, where you guys go through the questions everybody has, the myths, the the myths or the misinformation. Some of these terms nowadays drive me crazy, but, you know, you guys (laughs) walk through this, you know, very, um, I don't even know the word doc, but just, just gently or just what you, the way you are right now. I think everybody that meets you or hears from you guys, they just always are like, man, they all want you to be their pediatrician, right? I mean, that's, that's, you know, they're like, if I could just have Dr. Bob. And so, but I want people to know, and it's part of why I have you on here. Yes, we all want the Dr. Bobs in our life and people like Melissa, but ultimately you are your, you're your, you're your kid's best advocate, right? You're the, you're their daily doctor. I always talk to my patients, Hey, you're the doctor. Just you're making most of the healthcare decisions. Of course, there's times we need experts to come in and help us. I understand that I get that, but most of the time, the day to day, the real healthy living choices happen from us and our parents need to be informed. Melissa, um, can you share with us your, cause I know you come from a little different perspective, um, you know, as a parent and, and such, and, and even with your child, do you mind, uh, first of all, welcome to the show. And of course, thank you for all that you do. Would you mind giving us a little bit of your, your backstory and why you do what you do and put up with Dr. Bob? <laughs> just kidding. Yes, good morning. I love listening Hopefully to you guys you just because it's funny. You guys give such banter. I'm like, are they actually yeah, friends? What are you talking Let's... about, Ben? Well, I was yeah, listening no. to the last one where you're picking on her hairstyle and you're teasing her about... <laughs> I was like, man, they must have had a bad day. No, I'm just kidding. kidding. No, but yeah, please. The things I do. Yeah. The things I do for informed consent. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, and hopefully you can hear me okay. Um, Okay, great. So, uh, for me, yeah, I came into it a little differently. In fact, I was sort of told about Dr. Bob um, before... I had my first and um, the question about vaccines, like it's interesting. There was no research done prior to her being born. There wasn't even any talk about, Hey, you need to like look into this decision. So then what happens is, you know, you're, you've got this newborn, you're feeling really stressed, you're feeling, you know, sleep deprived. And then you've got this like deadline decision to make um, by month two for the first appointment about what you're going to do, not do. And it's like, it just comes up on you so fast that I remember thinking about this, uh, the, a couple days prior to that first appointment going, gosh, something doesn't feel right about this, but I honestly did not know where to go for information. And I just quote, trusted the doctor, right? Like that's, you sort of default to trusting who you expect to be, you know, the one who's knowledgeable on this issue. And I certainly wasn't at that time. And again, I felt pressured by time. I felt like, oh my gosh, the two month appointments here, I've got this totally vulnerable infant that is going to be exposed to all these awful things. And this doctor is telling me, um, who was not Dr. Bob, obviously at that time, and is telling me I need to do X, Y, and Z or basically, or else my child's going to die. Like it it wasn't, it wasn't like a oh, we've got a couple things here that you could choose. You could wait a little bit. Like this is the thing, the piece of information I tend to give to people when they ask, like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, you know, just keep in mind, you don't have to rush to make this decision. You have time. You don't have to do everything on the two month appointment. If you need more time to look through these things, then do that because feeling rushed and pressured never leads to good 
outcomes. You know, because Mel- you don't have the time to process. Melissa, I was just thinking about it. I'm reading that book. You guys have probably read it, the Turtles All the Way Down book. The that one, uh, it's written by an anonymous author, but he was, it was talking about vaccine, and it said, um, she said something like this. What's crazy is vaccine and that decision to vaccinate or not is one of the most complicated situations, right? From the pharma, from the shots themselves to ingredients, some of the things we'll talk about today. And she, she was, the, the author was just referencing like, here's probably one of the most complicated medical scenarios. And yet we, we expect all parents to make this with very limited knowledge. And I, what you just described made me think about that, right? It's put on the mom and dad, which of course, understandably it's informed consent, but it's a, if for not, if you've never looked at it and then you start to look at it to get up to speed can be super overwhelming, right? Like where yeah, do I no start? Way. Yeah. There's no way you can't. And then, so what you do is you, again, default to somebody. And then that means I don't have the time to properly look through this. I don't necessarily feel entirely confident in my decision. However, I'm just going to go with what the doctor says. And I think there've been so many people who regret making that decision because of something going wrong and feeling that blind level of trust. But what else can you do when you're a new mother, you're scared about your baby's health and, and the medical community kind of really pushes a fear-based narrative about children. Like, like as if there's no strength in their immune system, there's no way to build that naturally. There's no way for them to be able to successfully overcome illness. It's always, if they get it, they're going to die. Um, And that's just, that plays on the fears of these new parents, which really puts them in a precarious position because they're already struggling with so many decisions, right? Uh, You know, what am I feeding my child? What's the sleep routine? All the things that you're, you're trying to decide in these early months, going down the vaccine um, road of learning about all these things is a years long process. And there's no way you can do that in the first like month of your baby's life. Right. So you were in that situation and um, what happened? Yeah. So I was in that situation. I had that gut instinct of something. I don't feel totally right about this. So I I thought to myself, well, we will just do a few at a time. Let's just do no more than two. And at the time, I don't know that I was really even aware of combination shots and what that really meant, Mm -hmm. but she had two injections, which ended up being four different diseases she was vaccinated for. Um, And these were the two that the doctor said, like, if you're only going to do two, these are the two you should do. And, um, and she still ended up having issues just from just two. we did not do anything, um, on the day of birth. I can't imagine what might've happened actually looking back, um, even with two, you know, maybe it would have been different if I waited, maybe if uh, she was two years old before she got her first and had a chance to like develop her system, you know, maybe that could have been easier on her, but two months old, she was not ready for it. And, um, for her, she had what I, what I tend to think many people probably have seen in their children, but they didn't know to look for it more mildish, moderate side effects. These are the ones that are scary because you layer these every appointment. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have your child go to the ER, right, then you're thinking, okay, they're fine. They're acting a little different. Mm-hmm. They had the, their mood has changed, their personality has changed. They're making weird jerking movements and muscle spasms, but, but they came out of it, right? Like a week or two later, you're thinking, okay, it's fine. Like there's not an issue here. And so you keep going. And that's where the danger lies because 
we're taught not to look for these more mild signs that there is an agitation to the child. We're, we're taught that only if you go to the ER is there a danger. Only if it's anaphylactic shock is that a problem. But the truth is there are, uh, there's an entire gray area there full of lots of problems that can happen after that even first appointment that if you continue to go routinely on that schedule, you're going to continue layering toxicity, toxicity, toxicity. And eventually that's going to turn into something that could be lifelong, could be chronic, you know, could be whatever, but you didn't notice it because it slowly built. Yeah. And that's the thing I wish parents really understood is you, you, you don't need to look for just what you think are reactions. You need to look, you know, your child best. So you need to look for the ways in which they change the ways in which they're presenting differently. And you need to be cautious of that with every single appointment, because again, you know, another appointment, uh, two months, four months, six months, then by 12 months you've had, and, and in my, in our case, we were having something every single month because we kind of spread it out. So as a result, she really just didn't have time to sort of detoxify, heal, get a break. And things were just layering. And that's when it started to, by her 12 month, um, appointment, that's when I started to notice things that I was like, okay, something is seriously wrong here. Like that I'm now seeing things that are more behavioral and um, even structurally. So that's something you would understand is watching her. She was walking early and watching her all of a sudden kind of lose her ability to walk with balance. Like she was starting to like her legs were bending and folding under her a little bit more and things like that, like changes in her gait. Um, changes in her behavior, like biting on her arms and stuff, mm. things like that. Like, like these are, these are displays of agitation, displays of imbalance, displays of the body dealing with toxicity. She started having gut issues and like um, this chemical smell, like, you know, mm. um, to diapers, diaper changing and all those kinds of things. Like to me were like, okay, individually, you might not notice something with that, but when you put this all together and you watch the picture, like something's wrong. And these are not things anybody told me to look for. So you're not thinking these are side effects, right? You're not looking at yeah. it that way. Um, and if you're a new mother, like, what do you know to compare it to? You don't know what kids do or don't do or what phases they go through. You're thinking all this stuff is just passing. Who knows? Um, also, do you think, Melissa, the, the it's hard to, you know, you got so many factors, like you said, one is, and then you, and I want to say it like this, you almost don't want to, you almost don't want to believe it, right? Like you almost don't want to think about it, right? I mean, you love them so much, but it's hard to even it, it, admit, I guess, if you will, because I know there was a, there was a time where uh, people that were uh, raising concerns about vaccine injury and vaccine you know, injury awareness, they were often ridiculed as if they wanted attention, as if they wanted, right? You know, they're like something like this, where it's often quite the opposite. The parent is devastated, right? Not only are they dealing with the fact that they potentially have a child that was injured by a vaccine, but injured by a vaccine that they maybe chose to give, right? And all those emotions and that, that feelings associated with that. So if anything, I think it's probably either, like you said, underreported or, or undernoticed for sure, because we almost don't want to. And then my concern in part, and I'd love your guys' perspective, because we've been doing this for so long and because you're, like you said, these we're combining vaccines, the schedule's getting bigger recently, you know, ASIP just recommending the COVID vaccines for kids, which is crazy. Um, you know, keep adding to the schedule, adding to the schedule that we're, we're getting, and, and Dr. Bob, you probably see this in your clinic, which is um, maybe not your clinic, but in, in pediatrics where 
our kids are becoming sicker and sicker and almost uh, to use the term, another term, I hate this whole new normal thing, which is the new normal is sick kids, right? Sicker kids yeah. where you're weird. Like, yeah. you know, you guys with your families or my family, like what, you know, we, we, we don't get sick. You're like, what do you mean you don't get sick? When's the last time you took a drug? I don't take drugs. Like it hasn't <laughs> happened. Like what's your guys's thoughts on that? Because and Melissa, I think the you know, parent's perspective is so critical. Uh, Dr. Bob, professionally, your experience, and of course, as a parent is so important, a grandparent, um, where do you, what are you seeing now? Have you seen that? Is it getting worse? Are kids getting sicker because of the load, the toxic load, like Melissa's talking about? Yeah. Yeah. You would think in a modern country with a, a state of the art medical system and, you know, you know, the, what should be the world's greatest healthcare system, we should have the healthiest children and we should have the lowest mortality rates. We should be the, you know, the healthiest people on the planet, you know, because yeah. we are, you know, and we are the most, you know, vaccinated people on the planet. And, and that's just not true. You know, our, our mortality rate is, uh, is, is not, you know, it, it's, it's not great um, compared to other, our child Are you talking infant? Rate. Yeah, child, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, child, yeah. yeah. Our, our infant and child mortality rate is not what it should be. The health of our children is not what it should be. You know, what I mentioned earlier you know, all the illnesses children go through, that is now looked at as the norm. You're right. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have four-year infections and six antibiotics and, you you know, sinus infections and you have some allergies and ADD. you have a little trouble learning yeah, you know, yeah. by the time you get to school and, and maybe you have a few little quirks. That's just now viewed as the norm. Now, of course, not everyone yeah. goes through that. You know, we're all individuals. Some kids are very healthy and some kids seem to handle the vaccination process just fine. But, but when you don't, I guess what, what I'm getting at is people need to start asking why are our kids so unhealthy? If we're so good at, at nutrition and raising kids naturally, ask yourself, is there something we're doing in our pediatric community that's exposing kids to repeated chemicals repeated artificial immune activating ingredients. And when I say immune activating, I'm not saying things that make your immune system healthier. Mm -hmm. I'm saying things that artificially activate your immune system. And that's not always a good thing. Um, And uh, you got to ask yourself, what are we doing that, that might be contributing to poor health in our country? And like I said earlier, um, I just, have a hard time getting over my observation at how healthy my patients are nowadays compared to the old days when a lot of my patients used to partially vaccinate like Melissa did. Mm. And um, there there really is a a night and day difference. And some doctors have started publishing their findings in research. Like they do research projects on their patients and publish it showing that their unvaccinated kids are way healthier yeah. Yet, uh, one one doctor, colleague, friend of mine, uh, lost his medical license yeah. because of that for publishing that, and the medical board ordered him in his state to stop doing medical research and took away his license to practice. It was a, a big mess. So, yeah. honestly, doctors are kind of fr- yeah. afraid to put this in writing, um, you know, in a research you know, perspective, but it's real. That's what I think is yeah. missing. So when, that's what's missing well, think, from our research community. 
Yeah, go ahead, Melissa. Yeah, and I was going to say, I think that there's a big piece here that is not just vaccine-related, which is this overall health of adults and children, just lifestyle in general. So for me, being a former nutritionist, like I've looked at food for a really long time, but let's look at the kind of diets these kids are are on, right? Like just because you're fully vaccinated, people tend to think that makes you quote healthy. They're not vitamins, right? Vaccines are not vitamins. (laughs) Right. I mean, they're not. And so what's interesting is um, these kids are getting more sickly, even being fully vaccinated because like Dr. Bob is saying, the vaccines are actually testing their immune systems in ways that sometimes put stress on the immune system. But on top of that, the rest of the days that they're going through life, they're eating like crap. Yeah. They have super high sugar diets. A lot of these kids are not on good sleep routines. They were not breastfed. Like the foundation of yeah. a child has to be a certain level of strength to be able to tolerate the toxicity of the vaccine program. And because we're not at that place, then we are now double hitting these children because their foundation is poor. And then they're now being fully vaccinated, which which makes uh, their immune system weaker. It was already weaker because of their foundation. So they're getting more sickly and more likely to have chronic disease. When you look at people who choose not to vaccinate because they know that's against the norm, because that's a little bit taboo, they tend to be more health conscious because they're trying to find ways in which to support the health of their child. So it is a more proactive approach instead of reactive. Mm. And in that case, these kids are eating better, typically have you know more whole food nutrition, right. have um, lower stress environments, uh, higher quality activity, food, yeah. physical activity. And because they're breastfed, like there, yeah. there are ways in which they're supported that is giving them an advantage, even even taking vaccines out of the equation. And then you don't add that toxicity on there yeah. and their body's able to work the way it was designed. So like this conversation is way bigger yeah. than vaccines because the health of our children as, you know, as a whole and adults, I mean, the kind of rewards you get for getting a vaccine are like mm. candy and donuts. And like, Crazy. like here, we'll give you fast food coupons. If you get yeah. your vaccine, it's like, well, not only now did you just suppress your immune system, but yeah. you just now put food into your body that is not allowing it to flourish. So this is like a two part yeah. and it's an important, an important piece, I think, because there's so much of this that is within our control as parents. It's a good word. As I, far as how healthy your child could be. I remember, uh, remember about Pottinger's cats, right? Where they, you know, essentially fed these, paraphrasing it here, right? But fed these cats and then they had a control group and they fed these cats terrible nutrition and diets. And I think uh, within three, they kept getting sicker. And then the next generation got sicker sooner. And then the third one, I think didn't get even live long enough to get old enough to procreate. And so you're right. You know, as we think about epigenetics and we think about lifestyle and environment and all of those things, you know, we're seeing sicker kids. And I would say we're, my data that I see is we're seeing sicker kids, you know, people getting sicker, younger, chronic diseases through the roof, all the stats that we see all the time. So of course I couldn't agree with you more, Melissa. I think we, we, of course we have to talk about vaccines because it's important and it's, it's, you know, they try to do it to all of our children. So, but then also you're right. We can't absolve ourselves from the responsibility of what are we, like I said earlier with Dr. Bob, when we started, which is, you know, we're ultimately the, the doctor to our kids in the sense that we're making most of those daily lifestyle choices. What's in our fridge, 
What are we doing with technology? What are we doing with movement and motion? Right. You know, I was, uh, my kid, one of my son, my son, he plays basketball. And sometimes I, you know, I, I look at the team that, you know, he's not just on a little average team. And I think, man, like, I just don't remember this many kids, his age, like when I was that age, like most kids were skinny and fit and coordinated, you know, and, uh, that's the rare nowadays. And so, um, that is interesting. Let me ask you guys this, cause I want to get into some of the, I don't know if what the right word is just the myths or concerns, but like, so I think what you said, Bob, so somebody comes in and says, okay, I hear you saying that, you know, I, I want to have a healthy kid. You just told me that your experience is, is, gosh, well, the people that don't vaccinate tend to have the healthiest kids. And it might be for some of the reasons Melissa was just sharing and, and just other reasons of the, the concerns with vaccines. So then I think one of the next logical questions is something like, well, what if my kid gets, and then it's X, Y, Z, right? Fill in the blank, measles, mumps, you know, COVID, whatever you want to say. So how do you begin that conversation with a parent says, okay, I don't want to vaccinate. I get that. I have concerns. I hear what you're saying. I trust that. But what about measles? And then where do you, where do you take that? Right. And that's where education comes into play. Um, what I do is I, I tell people the end of the story first, and then we kind of go back and, and talk more. The end of the story for me is so far in my you know, 24 years of being a pediatrician, I have not had a single child have a severe case of any of these vaccine-targeted illnesses. Okay. I have not, no one's been harmed by any of these diseases. And if, if someone should have patients who are harmed by these diseases, it should be me. It should be the mm. pediatrician in Orange County that's seeing all these unvaccinated kids. And... Uh, I'm very happy to say, and you know, somewhat surprised, you know, to be honest, to say that. Um, excuse me, hold on a second. Um, very, you know, that uh, that hasn't happened in all my years of doing in all my years of doing this. All the cases that I've seen where kids have caught whooping cough or measles or the flu or had a pneumonia, um, or mumps, you know, uh, chicken pox, of course, all those cases were manageable. Yeah. You know, most of them were mild and I didn't even need any medical care. Mm. I've had to put a few kids, uh, in the hospital where they needed IV fluids or IV antibiotics okay. or needed like a, a drainage of an infection somewhere, things that they caught, maybe because they were not vaccinated because it was a vaccine targeted illness. And, but none of the kids lives were in danger. They weren't in the intensive care unit. It wasn't like a life state life threatening emergency. They were all routine cases. And, and so I'm very happy that, you know, all my patients have not uh, regretted not vaccinating you know, that's a good way to say it. No one's regretted that choice. Yeah, right. And so I'd like to tell people, you know, the realistic risk of raising a vaccine-free child is relatively low. The risk of illness, the risk of being harmed by disease is, is relatively low. And I think it's acceptably low. You know, the risk isn't zero, but I do think it's acceptably low and if you feel good about it, you do have the right as a parent to raise your kid vaccine-free if, if you've you know, been fully informed and, 
that's you know the informed decision that you're making. But Doc, do you think a, the the COVID, the recent COVID example, vaccine is a good example? Just looking at the statistics that are widely available, the 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 death rate of a child to COVID is literally right, and I'm not exaggerating here. It rounds to zero, right? It's it's a zero. And so, and any of the children that were, the young children that were, it was um, usually right, almost, almost all that I have seen the, the, the studies on said it was, there was significant comorbidities, either underlying diseases, some significant lifestyle issues that were related. So my, my point that to, to, I think, agree with you, which is, so then the, the next question goes, well, so do I, is an acceptable risk of relatively zero for COVID, for one example, uh, injuring my child? And then the risks of the COVID vaccine, which is new, largely untested, has some significant concerns, a newer technology we haven't used in these kinds of vaccines, certainly not tested appropriately in children. Then I think when you look at those two things in front of you, my, at least me, my logic says, yeah, I'm going to have, I have more faith and more trust in that innate, like you were talking about, uh, Melissa, just that innate immune system of my child. They're not born helpless. They're born with immune systems. And so, you know, I'm going to trust that versus that man-made that technology or doc, like you're kind of saying this artificial, you know, immunity that we attempt to, I don't even like using that word immunity, but just this artificial assault we put in to try to create some antibody response for a season and hope that that is some sort of benefit. Uh, did I say that? somewhat reasonably? Yeah, yeah, I'd say you did say that reasonably. I think um, you know, the, the way I read the data on COVID, the, the fatality rate in children is seems to be about one child for every 100,000 cases okay. of COVID. It's about one in 100,000, which is which is a, an extremely low fatality rate. That's, that's a lower fatality rate than than most of the things we vaccinate against, I would say. Um, and, um, and, and you're right. I think that the way you laid that out to me makes it so important as to why this should be a choice that every family gets to make. And we've seen states trying to mandate the COVID vaccine. We've seen states mandate other vaccines. And that's really why Melissa and I are in this fight so passionately is that we don't want any of these choices to be mandated. And it's, it's, you know, it's not fair to anybody to mandate uh, any sort of medical procedure. And I think the country is waking up. Yeah. Um, I'd say, you know, half the country doesn't want a COVID vaccine mandate on the other half. Maybe some of them do some of them, some of them don't, but people have to realize, well, they're trying to mandate all vaccines. Yeah. That's you know the pharmaceutical companies and possibly the CDC's long-term goal is to have all of these things mandatory. And how ironic would it be if if it truly is going to actually make you less healthy and give you more risk? Yeah. The fact that that would actually mandate that just boggles my mind. It makes you yeah, definitely. and that's why people should be standing up you know, standing up for the rights on this. So what? Well, and can I also, yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry, I just was going to, let me just jump in really fast on this. You, you're talking about like these people say, well, what if, what if you do get something? What if you do get yeah. measles? Like people are like worried about that. I think again, kind of back to this foundational idea of how the body works is sort of the place that we should be starting. So in other words, 
it's not by luck that all of the patients Dr. Bob has haven't turned into, you know, statistics. It's not by luck. It is because they're health conscious and because they have good foundations that if they are exposed to one of these vaccine targeted illnesses, they're able to manage them okay. And when we're looking at like cost benefit analysis and what's the risk, I think if we looked at this more of a common sense approach, like if we strengthen the immune system, it is going to do what it is designed to do. And what it's designed to do is to be able to handle illness. We can't think like, oh, we're never going to be exposed to these things. The idea is go ahead and be exposed, but come out of it okay. Like the goal should be to be able to manage illness, not to be avoiding it. Because that's, you know, that's like impossible. And then what happens is people get so afraid of illness. It's like, well, no, maybe illness is okay for our bodies if our immune systems are in a good place. And instead of the Western medical model right now, which is all about intervention, let's micromanage our body's health. You know, the concept should really truly be supporting the body to do what it does. And so we can't run away from COVID. We can't run away from measles. We can't run away from these things. Uh, We have to remind ourselves that being exposed to them is not a death sentence. Being exposed to them is another opportunity for our body to do what it is designed to do. But that can only be true if we have supported the foundation of the body, which is kind of where I think these press conferences should be focused Mm, mm. instead of about go run and get your vaccine. It's about the vaccine is not a miracle bandaid. It's not a miracle. It's not going to fix your health. What's going to allow you to be healthier is to be able to be exposed to any of these things and to not have a fatal circumstance. So again, this is not by luck Mm -hmm. that these kids haven't gotten, you know, um, something very serious. It's that their bodies are healthy enough to handle them. And then they will present and manifest like a routine childhood illness, which is how they always were decades prior. I think it's so, you know, we talk about resiliency a lot. I talk about it in my office, right? Building health, focusing on, you know, that's like, uh, there's an old, I think it was a I don't know, Chinese proverb or something, some little parable, basically, right? We should, we should pay our, this is all I remember hearing it, you know, we should pay our doctors when we're healthy. And then when there's, when we're sick, you know, we shouldn't get paid because they didn't do their job. It's a little bit of a, I don't entirely agree with that statement, but the point being the power is in what are you doing today when you're, when you're, when you're not quote sick. And I agree. I mean, we're breathing. I, once in a while, I'll go through the studies just to find out, remind myself how many germs we ingest a day and bugs and bacteria and how many are in us. And I read one the other day was talking about, you know, we got more bacteria and viruses in us than we do cells of our body, which is just this mind blowing concept. And I think you're right, Melissa, we've got so much fear. It really broke my heart during COVID. I thought we were making some progress, some ways in health and wellness and people being more aware of what you just said. And then I watched everybody gets so afraid of the invisible boogeyman again. Right. And they're, you know, washing their, Mm -hmm. you know, doing all that stuff. And listen, I understand being prudent, but living in fear is not prudent, right? Living in, in fear isn't, isn't, isn't being educated or wise. That's, that's we're living literally, you're, you're not thinking clearly. You're in an artificial fear here. And so that is, I think you're right. We have to continue to have that conversation. And for those people, what are some of the other, um, 
uh, things that you you guys both commonly, because I, I really want people, if you're listening to this and you're going, man, I love Dr. Bob, I love Melissa, I need to learn more. Uh, again, I, people are always asking me, I got a staff member whose sister is pregnant, and so she's going down this path right now, and so we're getting her information, we send her your stuff. Um, can you tell us about um, your podcast, and then can you tell us about the vaccineconversation.com and the video series, because you're right. You st- you started with it, Melissa, saying like, listen, I d- here's because here's what I don't want to do. This show was not intended to be complete. You can't talk about the whole vaccine schedule and immunity and you know resiliency and natural health, you know, in an hour. You just can't do that. So you need to begin this process. You guys, because of your passion, because of your experience, you say we 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 got to get this for people, and you've done that. I mean, you literally have created this. Will you tell us about that and tell us about some of the the uh, points you address there. Cause I want people to know it's really robust. All the questions they probably have, you guys have thought about Dr. Bob's, uh, you know, dove into it and does the, the, the science part of it, the doctor part of it. Tell us about the vaccine uh, conversation.com. Yeah. It's, it's been so much fun to do. Cause, um, I think it's, it's specifically created for those new parents. And I basically, you know, Melissa and I both understand what every new parent wants to know because we've been talking to, to new parents for so long and especially me. And, um, and so we basically take every question that a new parent would want to know about vaccines and we spend five to 10 minutes talking about it. Like, um, you know, how are vaccines researched for safety? Uh, what are the ingredients? What are the side effects? What would happen if too many people do vaccines actually help keep diseases away and uh, are there conflicts of interest, you know, in the vaccines, you know, safety approval process, Mm -hmm. how common is each disease and how dangerous is each disease and, and is a disease treatable? What do you do if you catch a disease? And, and then what, you know, same thing with with the vaccines, what are the side effects of the vaccines? And we actually, numerically present in in each of these disease-based episodes on our video series, we sort of numerically present the chance of a a severe reaction to the vaccine Mm. compared to the chance of having a severe case or a fatal case of the disease. You know, we give you all the data so you can really break it down. And and I think, um, you know, a real brief answers to a few of those really important questions is, Yes, there are a lot of conflicts of interest in the vaccine approval process and in safety research. Um, uh, most vaccines nowadays don't help keep the diseases away. They just kind of like the COVID vaccine. All we sort of know about it is it might uh, it might give you a milder case of the disease, whether you believe that or not. That that's all it might do. It doesn't do anything to help rid the world of COVID. Mm -hmm. And that's how most vaccines are today. So, you know, vaccines aren't kind of keeping these diseases out of these diseases out of our society anymore. Um, And there's, and you know, if if too many people stopped vaccinating, maybe some of these diseases would come back. But like Melissa said, we all have to concentrate on being healthier so that we sail through diseases that might come back. Well, Doc, and, isn't there even yeah, some we, benefits to, you know, being a, being a pediatrician and seeing this and seeing the development of childhood and, and childhood, I don't even like calling them childhood diseases, right? Childhood infections, things that we go through. <clears throat> yeah. Do you, um, 
there there is a lot of evidence that I've seen that suggests that actually strengthens our immune system. Now, that actually does what uh, say like this, what, it, what they've tried to get us to think a vaccine does, if you will, um, uh, when you naturally experience, uh, you know, a, a sickness and infection, you know, you get it the way you're nor- normally supposed to, you know, maybe you breathe it in, it gets your nostrils, your throat, works its way down your passages, you're getting a full robust immune response, much like we've seen, I don't mean to keep bringing up COVID, but what we saw happen with some of the COVID people that got COVID naturally seem to be having a longer, stronger, better, healthier outcome regarding, you know, reinfection and those types of things versus the people. I mean, it's pretty obvious now you got people fourth, fifth boosters still getting COVID. I think I just saw recently the CDC director has had four or five shots and just got positive again, right? Just tested positive. So I think this is the, this, I don't want to call it the silver lining because I don't ever want injury or I don't wish illness upon anybody. But it's, it, you know, more people, your guys' recent series, you know, which is really saying, why are more parents than ever, you know, questioning the CDC schedule or questioning, you know, immunizations, vaccinations in general? And I think a lot of it's been what they've seen and learned and the conversations they've had, you know, lately with their friends, their neighbors. And I've seen different stats, people regretting getting it, people not getting the boosters anymore because they've literally just seen it in front of them. So are there benefits Doc or Melissa too. I mean, I think there I'm kind of setting this up for you, but get, you know, I remember with my kids when they get sick, they get the sniffles, they be that will often preceded a growth spurt for them, right? That they got, you know, had the sniffles companies, that's when they started crawling or started walking or or they grew a bunch. I've I've seen it almost be part of I don't know why God designed it this way. Maybe you know Dr. Bob, but it's just amazing watching the body get a challenge and then it's like it strengthens the body. I don't know your take on that. Yeah, well, we we know based on research that catching measles, catching mumps, catching chicken pox, and possibly catching a few other of those, you know, old-fashioned childhood illnesses basically can reduce your risks of certain cancers later in life. And it might reduce your risk of certain autoimmune diseases later in life. And it might reduce your risk of allergies. And kind of like you said, the, these infections that you know, are on our planet, you know, and were designed you know, for all kids to catch, yeah. you know, for the most part during childhood, it's almost like those were supposed to prepare our immune system and strengthen our immune system mm. to give us a longer, healthier life. I think that the downside, Ben, is that very occasionally someone dies from that infection. You know, and that there's like a cost to that, yeah. and um, and so I guess our, our modern medical society decided we're no longer gonna gonna you know accept that very occasional fatality. We're gonna try to eliminate these infections and make try to give you know everyone artificial immunity, and they never stop to think, hey, is that gonna make everybody less healthy? Yeah. And we're not only preventing these infections that are supposed to make you healthier in the long run, we're giving you all kinds of artificial immune ingredients that might make your immune system less healthy in addition to that. And are we setting up our entire population to live less healthy, shorter lives, be sicker when we're older, yeah. um, you know, all in the name of preventing those fatalities from happening, which, I mean, that that's not a bad thing either. But yeah. I think at this point, people should be allowed to make a choice. What was you know, the, Raise their kids and live themselves yeah. healthy 
risking that really rare fatality for the payoff of having a, a longer, healthier, happier life in the long run. And I think that's that's you know what every human on our planet has the right to decide. Amen. I think I saw a study, and I, gosh, maybe one of you remember it. I believe it was out of, I'm going to say it was out of Africa. It's fairly recent. They were talking about, what, they were giving the shots to the kids. I, I can't remember which vaccine it was. But anyway, that's what they said. They said, you know, interesting, it did lower the incidence a little bit of, this, of the, the, the disease they were trying to go after, the infection. But what they found is it was actually making the totality of them sicker and even causing, I believe it was even saying causing death of other things. So it does become this question of what are we changing, exchanging that in for? And that goes back to, I think, my, my premise too, and yours, Melissa, and probably yours, Doc, is, hey, I'm going to, I'll, I don't even like to say it this way because you said, Melissa, it's not luck, but I'm just going to say it this way. I'm more than comfortable taking my chances with the uh, immune system that God gave me and working with it and supporting it and, and, and honoring it. And yes, if I do run into a serious challenge and I need Dr. Bob's help or whatever, great, I'll do it. I'll, I'll get it then when I need it. Okay. But what I'm not going to do is, is live in this artificial model, you know, of being boosted for the rest of my life against, you know, a handful of pathogens that they think they can stop by doing that. I just, it honestly doesn't make sense to me. And I think anybody that really spends a little bit of time, you know, going into this, they, they often come to that same conclusion. I think what you said is so powerful, Doc. Nobody that you, in your office has regretted not doing that, not vaccinating. I think that's a powerful statement. I want to give you guys the final word, the final thoughts here, um, you know, for a new parent, maybe somebody that woke up during the COVID stuff, they've seen some of their uh, rights. You guys are California, you know, you guys, like we said, I'm in Florida, like we look at you and we just go, wow, I don't even, <laughs> we better fact, we, my wife and my family, we were just out in um, uh, Zion National Park and we were doing some hiking and, and stuff. And we were like, should we go to California? And we were like, no, not yet. We can't, we can't bring ourselves to go there yet. So uh, <laughs> we thank you guys for holding the line and fighting the fight. And I know we didn't talk about it today, a whole nother world of all that you guys have gone through and, and that you go through professionally. Bob, Doc, but um, final thoughts for parents out there, people that are new to this conversation, some of your favorite resources and just some encouragement and hope. The one thing I remember about the Pottinger's cats that was encouraging is they took the generation and, and then with those sick ones. And what they started doing was nursing them back and they reversed the course. They started instead of feeding them garbage and junk they, and toxins, they fed them healthy and took care of them. And they were actually able to improve this. So I'm not a person that's ready to give up on humanity yet, right? I believe that we can turn this around, even though we're in a tough place. I think there's, there's, there's reasons to be hopeful. So would you end this with some hope for our listeners? Well, I'll start so Dr. Bob yeah. can have the final, final word, because if he doesn't, he'll be, he'll be, he'll be upset uh, at me, you know and what? I'll I, have to deal with that. Everybody think. I mean, anybody that knows Dr. Bob, it's his ego that's so big, right? It's always his oh, ego. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will, what I will say is this, and, and this comes from personal experience, because this year has been like a challenging one for me, uh, health-wise, is I've always micromanaged things and felt like I needed to sort of oversee my body um, because having control was going to be the way I'd have a positive outcome. Mm. And in reality, that didn't work <laughs> for me this year. And um, I finally had to surrender to the concept, which is something I inherently knew, but that the body is capable of so much. And I think mm. that 
we need to learn how to trust our bodies, learn how to communicate with our bodies and understand again, like I mentioned, we don't want to run away from the triggers. We don't want to run away from the things that challenge us. That's not going to get us to the finish line. What gets us to the finish line is our faith and support of the system that was designed to manage these obstacles and come through them successfully so that we don't live in that fear-based model. And we need to be more realistic when we look at um, death, the concept of death. Not everybody is going to escape um, death of illness. That's just not the way it works. And we've now gotten to this place where it's unacceptable for somebody to die. It's Mm. like, well, not everybody can handle the flu or a regular respiratory virus or whatever. And we need to be okay with that concept because that is by divine design, right? That is how it works. So us trying to always step in and intervene has some really bad consequences. We get that whack-a-mole kind of thing and other things start showing up. So the thing I would say to parents is use a common sense approach of understanding that the body is designed to stay healthy. If we support it, you're going to give it the best chance possible to manage anything that comes. And that includes whatever is going to be coming in the next several decades, man-made or not man-made. We don't know. Right. So it's like all we can do is, is strengthen our system and trust the body and, um, get back to a different mindset that goes away from fear and goes into this, let's attack this head on and, uh, and trust the process. That would be, that would be my message. That's awesome. I'm going to be for Bobby, before you give your final word here, by the way, I'm I'm giving you some time because I want you to try to top that. So I won't make you say right away, (laughs) but, um, you know, sometimes with new parents, when they come in and their kiddo's sick and it's maybe the first time they're going to, you know, go through that without meds or Tylenol or something. And and they'll often say something that made me think of it when you said this, Melissa, they say, I got it about a doc. I, I've, I've got to do something. I said, listen, you're doing something. Letting the body heal is doing something. It's brilliant. Okay. Like you don't, there's no guilt Uh and shame, but I just got to do something. And I'm saying like, once you kind of know what you were just talking about, letting the body go through an infection process and letting their fever run. and, And I'm not, like you said, I'm not talking about being ridiculous. We're not doctoring over the airwaves here. I'm simply saying, trusting that innate wisdom, that God, that it divine, you know, that system, that that same power that made that little body from two half cells in nine months, that power is still there, beating the heart, breathing the lungs. And I'm going to just default to that. And if, you know what, and like you said, I know it's a little bit of a, it's not morbid. I mean, you know, yes, we all are going to die, right? Whether we die from a disease or we die from being a hundred, we're all going to die. And that being said, you're right, right, but we let that fear make us rush to pills, potions, lotions, or, or something else. And I see it happen even in natural healthcare, right? Where people sure. get so caught up in that, they think they need to have 87 natural therapies to heal. I'm like, listen, like utilize them as long as they're supportive and they work for your life and your lifestyle. But um, you're right, my, my primary position and faith and trust is in what you just described. Did that give you enough time, Dr. Bob, to come up with something? Did I, you want me to keep going? Yeah. Then, then I, learned, I learned probably on our third episode of the podcast that Melissa always says things more intelligently and succinctly and, and more clearly than I ever can. So I, I, I learned quickly not to try to top her, but, but I'm going to try anyway, because that's what I do. Um, I'm going to kind of go in a different direction and, you know, something I'm, I'm so passionate about. And I know a lot of your people, you know, your clients that live in Florida, you guys are always, you guys are very passionate about this as well. And it's basically the, um, I'm, I'm so kind of 
tired of the division that the vaccine conversation creates. And, you know, we, we see people trying to divide our country in so many different ways, you know, politically and economically and, you know, you know, people's rights and, and, you know, yeah. Florida has done, I think, a, a great job of, yeah. of kind of being one of the States that's, that's, that likes freedom from uh, yeah, yeah. governmental tyranny. But, um, but I see there I am, I'm, I'm taking a side. Um, <laughs> I, I, I feel like, no matter what you decide, you know, no matter whether you're Democratic or Republican, you know, um, whether you choose to vaccinate or not vaccinate or partially vaccinate or whether you got a COVID shot or not, um, no matter what your choices are, we are all human beings that should be able to get along, you know, let our kids play together regardless of your medical choices, you know, be friends with people regardless of your political choices don't let the government divide us. And um, you know, I, I learned some lessons from, from Canada when I was involved in helping to fight vaccine mandates in Canada. Mm. And what the Canadian people did up there is they basically said, hey, we're not going to let our government divide us. And we are the people and they work for us and we're not going to let them come in and, and divide our our uh, state and our cities over this vaccination issue. We're going to keep it a free choice for everybody. Mm. And that's what they did. And so I guess I just like people to, um, you know, if you don't vaccinate, don't, yeah. you know, bag on people who do vaccinate. Gotcha. If you didn't get a COVID shot and your friend did, don't, you know, mm -hmm. don't, you know, come down on them. That was, that was their choice. Yeah. You know, love each other. Um, the, change, know, the same kids, choice we're yeah, fighting safely. for is the same choice they have, right? If we can, right, if right, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know, all the kids can play together. We can be friends. We can be family, and don't let the government divide you on any issue. And the vaccine issue is one thing that that doctors and pharma and the CDC and some state governments are trying to divide the people on, mm. and that kind of uh, division just isn't good for everybody. So that's, that's kind of what word. I what I what I'm really passionate about too. Doc, you reminded me and that I think you did it. I think you, I think you will call it, we'll call it, a, we'll call it a, a draw. Okay. Both did beautiful. <laughs> what, um, is there a play you listening to you kind of talk and share your heart again? It reminded me of, um, the talk you gave in DC. Has it been two years, a year? I don't know. Do you remember? Yeah. Two, three, three or four years. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. The, yeah. The one, the vaccine injury, I believe kind of event. Um, and I think you closed, you were the, the final speaker, I don't remember, but it was so, um, man, I can't hardly watch it and not, not, not tear up myself. Is that still publicly available? Do you guys? Yeah. Yeah. If you look at uh, vac vaccine injury awareness event, I think okay. the VIE event right. um, in Washington, DC from like 2019, maybe How time flies. Um, Okay. Yeah, yeah. You'll see my speech and everyone else's speech. Yeah. yeah I, that, I just, there was very... something very powerful. I don't know. I just, so many people, I, got, I felt like I got shared that with you, you know, 500 times. Like, you got to watch this. You got to watch this. And <laughs> I don't know the story behind it or the if it was a divine moment for you, but it was it was just, um, if, for anybody that's listening to this, that's, that's new to this movement and new to the hearts, I think what you ended on is important, that we are all, we are all, in this together to steal another term I don't necessarily like, but it's true. Right. And when I say in this together, we're in this thing called life and we're, we're family, we're friends. And I've, 
made too many mistakes on that end myself where I've said things I, I shouldn't have said and I've come across in ways that uh, certainly probably weren't edifying. I know we know they come from a place of passion, but I think that speech that you gave in D.C. a few years ago, if you're new to this and you're new to Dr. Bob and you're listening, that's worth watching. You can see the heart of people in this issue of medical freedom. You can see what we're asking for. Actually, in an odd way, we're fighting for we're fighting for people to be able to get the jab too, as weird as that sounds, right? We're, you know, we're fighting for people to be able to have that choice. And so we're so thankful for the work you guys do for making time uh, to be on the show today. I know it took us a bit to get here, but we appreciate it. Thanks for your work. Thanks for, uh, go listen to their podcasts, uh, the Vaccine Conversation, and then really do give life to the website though as well, because there's certain things you can't get through the podcast. You have to go to the website. And I think anybody listening knows about censorship and we don't know what the future holds. So it's really important that you also go to their to their website that indirectly so they can stay informed. So if things get crazier and we can't get that information, that you have a place that you know that you can go to and you can trust. So we appreciate you guys. Thank you for your work. God bless you. We'll stay in touch. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to support the show, give us a five-star review and share it with your tribe. To learn more about Dr. Ben's work, visit AchieveWellness.clinic.